Hey, listeners, welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast. GP and I will get it going with the hoops talk in just a minute. But first, a reminder about the PGA Championship, which starts on May 16th and will be aired on CBS that weekend. You can find coverage, of course, at CBSSports.com, on the CBS Sports app, and at Sportsline.com. Sportsline's model has nailed four majors entering the weekend. It was also all over Tiger Woods' deep run last year at the PGA Championship, even though he was just a 25-1 to long shot then. Visit Sportsline.com and click on PGA Championship to see our picks for this year's major. It starts on Thursday, May 16th, and you want to use the promo code SWING to get your first month of picks for only $1. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, May 9, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And as of yesterday, as of Wednesday, the federal trials connected to the sport of college basketball, they're done. Christian Dawkins was found guilty of bribery and conspiracy to commit bribery. Merle Code was found guilty of conspiracy to commit bribery. So that's that. Even though uh, back in September 2017, after 10 people connected to the sport were arrested, uh, the you know when the acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, June Kim, even though you know he said he had dirty coaches' playbooks and strongly suggested more arrests were on the way, and presented himself as somebody set to wreck college basketball, the truth is that uh, it never really happened. There were never any additional arrests. Only one head coach, Rick Pitino, lost his job because of any of this. The NCAA will do something eventually, but probably not anytime soon. And obviously, the NCAA doesn't have hiring and firing power. Simply put. Um, it feels like the government overpromised and underdelivered. That's my position, at least. Norlander, what say you? Well, I like your line there. What I wanted to ask you, because Paris has a column worth reading, obviously. Uh, go to CBSSports.com, check the CBS Sports app. We both wrote columns on it. Parrish's deals with the government side of all this and kind of the big picture. And I touch on more of the NCAA stuff, which we'll get there. But you use that uh, overpromise and underdeliver. Did you use that knowing that Book Richardson was caught on tape saying the opposite phrase that he would? Under promise and over deliver. I, I I did not think of that. I didn't recall that um, that bit of transcript, a bit of the transcript uh, when I was writing. But I do um, I remember it. Well, that is a uh, a fortunate little uh, uh, coincidence there. But um, I largely do agree with you on that point. Um, there are there are a couple of ways we can interpret this. I mean, the government did get guilty pleas or verdicts with nine of the ten that were charged in the case. The only one that didn't apply was Brad Augustine, the grassroots director of a team out of uh, of Florida, Uh, and he has an interesting side story in all this we won't get get into on the podcast. But the only reason why he didn't get one was he proved that the money that he was given, uh, which happened in Vegas, by the way, uh, he pocketed it. He didn't give the money to any players or their families or coaches or teams, so uh, you couldn't pinch him for bribery. Uh, so he was the only one that didn't have anything attached to him that were of the initial charges. But otherwise, I mean, the government did uh, pinch everyone else one way or the other. The last one that actually happened was Rashawn Michelle. In court on Thursday, he pleaded guilty. He would have been part of the third trial dealing with Chuck Person, who pleaded guilty a few weeks back. Uh, but in not doing so, uh, we avoid a third trial altogether. We avoid Auburn and Bruce Pearl having any sort of quasi Sean Miller moment parish. We won't get that. Um, but I do agree with you. The, the the tone, the tenor of the press conference from September 26, 2017 was 
Uh, it was it was boastful. Obviously, it completely sideswiped college basketball, and it stoked a lot of conversation and speculation as to what could be coming and what more might happen. A lot came out of this, and I will get it out on this podcast. But if your general point is that um, the things that were uh, alluded to, promised, suggested. Um, now, as we sit with a second trial finished, uh, some of the, the overarching things there, uh, those fell short. I would agree with you while also acknowledging the government got its wins. Nine of the ten obviously have guilty pleas connected to them, so nine of the ten uh, will spend time behind bars. They got their wins on the people that were initially arrested, but the people who were initially arrested just do not matter to the sport. I mean, when June Kim is standing in front of a bunch of television cameras talking about um, – if you're a dirty coach or, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you've been um, operating in this manner, uh, you should call us. It's better for you to call us than for us to call you. And it's like, oh, boy, whoa, where is this going? And then they didn't call anybody. <laughs> it's like they, they got not like nothing happened. Um, so they got they got some low level, largely irrelevant people that don't impact the sport of college basketball in any real way. They got them. But we look up nearly two years later, um, after there were reports, like, you know, dozens of coaches are going to be brought into this. Half the Power Five is going to be, yeah. you know, in, in trouble. And the truth is, I know that LSU will maybe be punished by the NCAA someday in Arizona and Kansas and Louisville and so on and so forth. But as I stated, at this moment, the only head coach who has lost his job is Rick Patino, who, by the way, uh, was not charged with a crime, didn't have an assistant charged with a crime, and still to this day <laughs> sits in Greece without a single bit of evidence, either on wiretap, uh, email, anything uh, that actually ties him to rules violations uh, at Louisville. In fact, uh, one of the more interesting quotes that came out of this trial is Christian Dawkins um, being recorded saying Rick Pitino might really be the only guy in the country that doesn't know what's going on with his program. But that's the only guy that's paid a significant price. Sean Miller's reputation has undeniably been Dean. Um, Will Wade's reputation has been damaged. Bill Self's reputation has been damaged. But they're still all making uh, big, big direct deposits every two weeks and still running – you know, Power 5 basketball programs. They are, and the th stuff you just said is true. Um, I, this, I do think that what what has happened here, even though that what the government uh, sought out to do, I think, you know, beyond the initial arrests, uh, it, it likely fell short of that. Although there was, I wasn't court when the verdict came in on Wednesday, uh, but tracking the, the few that were still there, um, uh, and in fact, when it was Rashawn Michelle, I actually believe on Tuesday when this was said, when he uh, entered his guilty plea, um, there there is you know light language indicating that uh, the government isn't necessarily done with this. Like it's it's just because this stuff is finished doesn't mean that we'll never uh, potentially see something like this happen again. That could also just be uh, a way of saying like don't even think about trying this because you know our antenna is still up for this. I don't know. We'll see. I I don't I don't know, Parrish, if we're going to get something like this ever again. But I do, I do think that it is a it is nonetheless a significant chapter in the history of college athletics. This, you know, it, it might. There's a lot of stuff that people will throw against NCAA President Mark Emmer and why he hasn't been good at his job and why he shouldn't even have his job uh, at this point. Uh, but I think that this and his response to it, uh, 
however you interpret the response or think of that it was uh, guided or misguided, appropriate or inappropriate, I think this is one of the uh, two or three biggest things that will ever be attached to his tenure. And, you know, in the story of, of college basketball in America over the past, you know, 80, 90, 100 years, I do think that this still registers as a fairly significant story because the very structure of how the sport is recruited was greatly altered. Those, those changes are still undergoing. We'll see the fruits of those changes and I don't say that in a kind way, uh, in the way that the, the sport will be recruited this, this summer. You still have a lot of people that have a lot of issues with uh, what the Rice Commission suggested. So um, there, was, there was a lot of a big mess that was made of all of this, a lot of which still has to be cleaned up. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't want to say that what the government did didn't matter. I know you wrote that it was kind of a waste of time. I don't know if I totally agree with that, Parrish, because it did, well, one, it, it brought a ton of interest to the sport, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, and it did... Uh, I think rejuvenate a conversation about what actually is happening or has happened, long happened with many different schools and characters inside and outside of college basketball. And I think the advancement of that conversation is ultimately a good thing. I mean, I guess, but you know, I, I just, I, I guess I'm, I'm comparing it. I'm comparing what actually happened to what seemed to be on the verge of happening when all of this first broke. And when I say it's a waste of time, I don't mean that um, like, it, like it wasn't a waste of my time. It, it gave us uh, content to write about and, and talk about and, and helped us fill our days, particularly in the offseason. But you just go back to that press conference in September 2017. When it was over, if I would have told you then, okay, now let's fast forward to May 2019, Norlander. Um, here's what's going to happen. Nine of the ten men who were arrested today, um, they will either be convicted of federal crimes um, via trial or they'll just plead guilty. And yes, those men are going to serve, largely, are going to serve um, time in federal prison. And that's that. Oh, and Rick Pitino will get fired. So that would have been like, whoa, really? So Rick Pitino will get fired, but nobody else's, no other head coach is going to get fired. It's largely going to be... You know, a, a no-name assistant here, a no-name assistant there. But that's it. In May 2019, this will all be over from a criminal perspective. And the only head coach to actually pay a price, and that price be his with his job, is going to be Rick Pitino. You would have said, oh, that doesn't sound like what they were just talking about. You agree with that, right? I do agree with that. I think there's some more nuance there. But it, it, taking the words as you just said and, and as fact as they were, then I would definitely agree with that. Right. Um, so let me ask you this. Now that, and, and I suppose evidence that was not presented in the trial could still leak to the media if, you know, somebody wants to leak it. Right. But everything that's going to come out in court, it's out. Like, you know, if, if, if what we have on the table is what is probably going to remain on the table and, and, and nothing more or, or very little um, in addition. So let me ask you this. Based on everything that came out, either in this trial or the first trial, and all the reporting that's been done in the past couple of years, what program do you think took the biggest hit or will ultimately take the biggest hit? Arizona. But I don't know if it's I don't know if they are 30 links ahead in that race, because if you and I almost tried to do this, but my kids just didn't allow me to do this this morning. I was going to try and get a list of all the schools that, in my opinion, 
would have some reason to have a little bit of anxiety or a lot of anxiety or, or downright uh, uh, panic about what could be coming with the NCAA. It's a long list. I mean, it, it's, it's more than 20 that I, that I believe the NCAA has a responsibility to do its diligence and at least look around there. Uh, th- there are varying programs with varying alleged violations or proven violations that, that we saw in Evanston in either of these cases. But I think Arizona is at the top. Uh, I think Kansas, I don't care that a jury found, the first jury in this case found that uh, that Gatto and Dawkins and Code uh, defrauded Kansas. I, I, I really want to believe that investigators with the NCAAGP are not going to be um, that obtuse and understand the realities of what was happening there. I think Kansas is still potentially in some trouble there. Uh, I, no reason to believe that LSU is not is not there as well. And you have other fascinating situations, though. You have Louisville, which had violations when it was already on probation, but the entire staff is gone. The athletic director is gone. There were major changes that were made uh, within the infrastructure of that university's athletic department. How is the NCAA going to reconcile what it's going to do with that? Because it did fire Rick Pitino, as you noted there. But at the same time, are they going to say, well, we're going to say that's 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 good enough, and we don't have to punish Louisville anymore, even though it had two different assistants, both Jordan Fair and Kenny Johnson, uh, were caught acting outside of NCAA rules uh, between both trials and evidence that was put forth. Is, is Louisville going to get Scott off Scott clean? Or will the NCAA say, you know what, it, was, it, it doesn't matter that we have a new staff there, uh, Chris Mack and his assistants and the, and the athletic director, that, uh, Vince Tyra, that's there, they took those jobs knowing that this potentially could happen, and here's what we might lay down. I think the Louisville situation is very fascinating, and even stuff like NC State where you had former assistant uh, helping facilitate tens of thousands of dollars of payments to Dennis Smith Jr., Mark Gottfried, former coach. Those guys aren't there anymore, so how do you punish NC State? There are plenty of more. Preston Murphy still at Creighton. He has, his employment status hasn't been determined as of yet. How will they come down on him? How will they come down on Jamie Dixon's TCU program? Corey Barker said some stuff that was not um, not good at all on these tapes. Last thing before I toss it over to you, GP. So there's a lot. Arizona is my answer to your question, but I also am curious to know what the NCAA can get, what it will get, because it's it will have all the transcripts from these trials. And before the podcast out, I just want to talk real quick later, just real quick about Dawkins being on the stand, because I thought that offered up some very interesting stuff from an NCAA uh, perspective with its investigations. But it, what it we does not have in those transcripts is a lot of those videos of the assistant coaches at the Las Vegas uh, hotel meeting at the Cosmopolitan at the end of July in 2017. Is the NCAA going to be able to get those videos? It will request them. Will the government grant it to have those videos? Will it be able to get its hands on those videos one way or the other? Because I will say... Um, Seeing them versus not seeing them, I think, could have real impact on uh, what the investigations can bear and what it can what it can bring out. I think that's uh, that's a a big lingering question with what the NCAA can and will do going forward. I think your answer to the question what program has been damaged most by this um, scandal is is Arizona, and I'll get to that in just a second. But to your point about Louisville, um, I think you got to punish Louisville. I mean, historically, you know, you just because the people are no longer employed by a school doesn't mean that you know the, the the school is not punished people have sometimes argued that it's unfair because you're punishing coaching a coaching staff and players who literally had nothing to do with you know what happened but i mean there's video evidence of a louisville assistant being aware of a deal to get brian bowen done to louisville like while louisville was on probation uh, correct me if i'm wrong but um you know, there's conversations about, listen, we're all we're like on probation. Uh, 
<laughs> so like we got to be real careful with this. Right. Like I, I don't know how the NCAA can just let that go. Um, it, it, it wouldn't follow the way the NCAA normally handles things. Otherwise, the playbook in college athletics would be pretty simple. Hey, guys, go out, cheat, do whatever you have to do. And um, if you get caught, then, yeah, we'll fire you. You probably won't get caught, but if you do get caught, we'll fire you. That way our university will never be punished by the NCAA forever and always. Right. It just can't work like that. So I'm not saying it's fair or right, but um, I do think the NCAA has got to punish Louisville. There's undeniable proof that Louisville – um, in conjunction with Adidas, you know, bought bought a player like they you you just cannot allow that to go without uh-huh. punishment, particularly when the school's on probation. Um, to Arizona, it, it's it's wild to me. Like Arizona fans were celebrating uh, on social media last night. Like yesterday was a good day for them because Christian Dawkins told uh, reporters afterwards that the reported conversation, you know, the conversation Mark Schleybaugh, ESPN reported. Um, you know, toward the end of two seasons ago, when Sean Miller was held out of a game, just one game, but it was the De- DeAndre Ayton season, um, you know, that was all connected to Mark Slaval reporting that Sean Miller was on a wiretap discussing a pay-for-play scheme uh, involving DeAndre Ayton uh, with Christian Dawkins. And Christian Dawkins confirmed yesterday um, what a lot of people thought very shortly after that report was published, which is um, that conversation as it was presented just did not happen. And Christian Dawkins said yesterday, I never talked to Sean Miller about, you know, uh, buying DeAndre Ayton. I didn't have anything to do with DeAndre Ayton's recruitment. I had nothing to do with that. That conversation did not happen. Um, so it looks like the reporting was just off there. And I say that as a friend of Mark Schleyball. He's a, a very good journalist who's had an incredible career, but it, he it looks like he got that one wrong. By the way, I don't know why Arizona fans are so quick to believe Christian Dawkins here. Isn't that kind of hilarious? It, like what, they, yeah. they've spent uh, uh, like a month explaining to me over and over again, but you can't believe anything Christian Dawkins said. Now you guys believe him? You, sell it, you, you believe him now because he says something that, like, that runs in your favor. So now you can take Christian Dawkins at his word. But when he says this other stuff, then he's just a liar. Like, hey, pick a side. I don't care if you want to believe Christian Dawkins or not. But you can't believe the stuff you want to believe and then just not believe the stuff you don't want to believe. That makes you uh, that makes you a maniac. So, um, But beyond that, so Christian Dawkins said that. I never talked to uh, Sean Miller about you know about buying DeAndre Ayton. I wasn't involved in that deal. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll take him in. How about this? I'll be consistent. I'll believe, in, I'll believe that. I'll believe him when he says that. But <laughs> this, is, to me, was the way more interesting thing. Yes. Um, yesterday. So, as you know, because I believe you were in the courtroom for it mm-hmm. on Friday, um, Christian Dawkins was asked twice, did Sean Miller know, while he was on the stand, did Sean Miller know uh, that Arizona players were being paid? And both times the government objected, and both times those objections um, were sustained. So he never had an opportunity to answer that question on the stand. Um, so yesterday, after the the you know he's convicted, and, but he's standing out in front of the courtroom or in front of the courthouse. He uh, he's asked if you would have been allowed to answer that question, how would you have answered it? And his response was this: "Quote, I'm not going to answer that because this is the thing. I don't see nothing wrong with it, so I'm not going to throw nobody under the bus for something that I agree with." And as I point out, like if the answer to that question is uh, Sean Miller didn't know what Arizona players were getting paid. 
did you just say Sean Miller didn't know Arizona players were getting paid? You don't refuse to answer, and when explaining why you're refusing to answer, you say it's because I don't want to throw anybody under a bus. Like Dawkins said he wouldn't answer the question yesterday because he didn't want to, quote, throw nobody under a bus and because he sees, quote, nothing wrong with paying players and because he doesn't want Miller to, quote, lose his job. In other words, if I answer this question you just asked me honestly, Sean Miller might lose his job. And I don't want Sean Miller to lose his job. And how Arizona fans can take that bit of information and convince themselves yesterday was a good day for Arizona is something I cannot wrap my mind around. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there with Dawkins. And we can can steer right into this. Um, The non-answer answer answer, uh, is damning because he could, as you say, he could have easily lie truth. Otherwise, if he wanted to say it and say, he could have said, because Zagor- Adam Zagoria, who was, who was stringing here for, uh, for Tucson.com and the Daily Star, uh, was there just about every day in the courtroom. Uh, he was able to get Dawkins uh, to talk, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. I'm, gl- I'm glad to see it because um, Dawkins did not talk after the first trial uh, when he was found guilty. We'll also note that Dawkins was found guilty on two of six counts, moral code on only one of four. Now, as Steve Haney told uh, reporters afterward, um, Dawkins had plenty of opportunities in the trial when he was on the stand to bury coaches. Dawkins does not want to be a rat, though. Uh, I, I, I'm of the belief that when he was under direct examination from Haney, and even though it's called cross-examination, but it was through Mark Moore, Merle Code's attorney, so it's, they're still playing on the same side, but whenever you're not being uh, questioned by your actual attorney, it's a cross-examination technically. Um, Dawkins, as any as any uh, witness that was you know f- effectively coached through that stuff, he knew what questions were coming. Um, but Haney said he could have he could have thrown any uh, any number of coaches under the bus. He chose not to do it in testimony. He chose the same thing afterward uh, again. Hey, by the way, and 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 I'll get right back. Like yeah. maybe Steve Haney should have uh, acknowledged this pre-trial because pre-trial he was talking about we're going to pull the curtains back on college <laughs> basketball. Well, like well your client. Now you're saying your client just didn't want to do it? You didn't know that before the trial started? You didn't pull any curtains back? You really didn't do anything? I'd say I'd say the curtains were ruffled. I don't think that they were pulled back. Would you agree? Um, they yeah they I guess they were ruffled, but it was it it was far short of you know I'm going to get every coach in America that I can get in that courtroom in that courtroom. We're going to pull the curtains back on these uh, dirty recruiters. Well, like. Did you do that mm-hmm. again? Overpromise, underdelivered. Yeah, for sure. Um, you're not. You're not incorrect about that at all. Now, when Dawkins was on the stand in the courtroom, and I was that we this happened after our most our last podcast. I, I'll say it was it was compelling. Uh, the cross examination from the prosecution was extremely compelling. Dawkins put forth great argument. I actually think a quick aside, Parish. I think that him testifying actually, it, 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 this is why he didn't have more guilty pleas put on him. Uh, we talked before what we thought guilty, not guilty would happen. Um, I had considered the potential for some to be not guilty with some of the stuff that was tagged on him, but it's kind of why um, Haney felt like this was something of a victory yesterday. Yes, there were convictions. The government got its convictions, but Dawkins and Code, uh, through their defense teams and Dawkins through his testimony, was able to to really lay out to the jury why schools were complicit in this and why some of the fraud charges that were labeled against him in this trial uh, didn't stick the way they were in the first trial. Now, circling back to what you were talking about, when Zagoria asks him what Dawkins would have said on the stand, 
Um, I want to just briefly read to you what Moore read to Dawkins on the stand when he was doing this, okay? He said, um, you didn't pay the head coach a dime, referring to Miller. Uh, Dawkins replied, never. Okay, because the head coach was a friend of yours, correct? Dawkins answers, we had a pretty good relationship, yes. Okay, and I know you may not want to say this, and as Mark Moore is saying this, he is saying it slowly, okay? it's When you actually are in the courtroom and understand the way the question is being posed as opposed to reading a transcript, it's like, hey, Christian, this is the part we talked about. I'm going to say this question slowly. So he goes, and I know you may not want to say this, but you knew the head coach was paying players themselves, right? The prosecution objects, the court sustains. And then they continue talking about the wiretap, the wiretap between Dawkins and Richardson when they were talking about Miller allegedly knowing and paying players. Dawkins confirms that the conversation happened, and on that conversation they were talking about them playing players. And then they got to uh, discussing what was happening with Miller. Uh, Mr. Miller at Arizona, he knew what was going on, correct? Objection sustained. Dawkins never answers that question. It's not on the transcript. So then Zagoria asked Dawkins, what would you have said? And that's when Dawkins, he could have very, he could have said, you know what? If I had answered, I would have said, no, Sean Miller didn't know what was going on. Or I can say that now. He opts not to say that. Um, which to me, the non-answer answer is 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 damning toward Miller. Again, it is not proof, but if you're going to believe Dawkins says one thing, literally within seconds, if not minutes, of of another question, when he says, "I never had a conversation with Sean Miller about delivering him DeAndre Ayton," um, you know, it makes for it makes for quotes that are that are fascinating. He's never, by the way, Dawkins is never going to talk to the NCAA. Like the NCAA will want to talk to him. I see no reason why he has any motivation or impetus to do so. Um, but to me, last thing, Parrish, I'll toss it back to you. When I think back to what he testified to and how good of a witness he was, what he told Zagoria, it feels like Dawkins was trying to straddle not being a rat. He's friends or was friends with Book Richardson, so he's trying he's trying to uh, defend his friend Book Richardson as much as he can and not outright completely toss Sean Miller on the bus, and yet he kind of still does that overall. I don't know if Dawkins went all the way to say that he didn't have a conversation with Sean Miller about DeAndre Ayton ever. He just said, I was never involved with DeAndre Ayton, and that's correct. Sean Miller has said that. Who knows if there was an actual conversation that happened after Aiton got to campus where they talked about DeAndre Aiton, Miller, and Dawkins. That specific angle hasn't been quite touched on. But, uh, but yeah, Dawkins gave us plenty to think about and NCAA investigators even more to consider with the quotes he gave to Adam Zagori on Wednesday. It sounded to me um, like Christian Dawkins is a guy who wants people to understand how these things are happening and what is going on, but he doesn't want it to come at the expense of him directly ratting out somebody at the very least who used to consider a friend. I mean, he's, he actually said that I don't want Sean Miller to lose his job. The reason I'm not going to answer the question you're asking me right now is because I do not want Sean Miller to lose his job. I do not want to throw him under the bus. And just like you say, that's, that's pretty damning for Sean Miller because that's somebody saying, Hey, listen, I ain't trying to hurt Sean Miller, but he's like actually hurting Sean Miller while he's doing it because the, the non-answer is it's incriminating. It's not proof, but hey, Arizona fans, if you're going to believe Christian Dawkins when he said the conversation with uh, Sean Miller never about DeAndre Ayton never happened, I don't know why you. I don't. I just don't understand how you can believe that thing that he says 
and be dismissive of everything else that he says. Um, you know, when he's saying all these things on the exact same day, you, you, you can't really cherry pick what you believe and what you don't want to believe. I'll be consistent. I believe Christian Dawkins when he said that conversation, as reported by Mark Schlebaugh, did not happen. I believe him. I also believe him when he says the reason I can't answer the question you're asking me is because if I answer the question, Sean Miller might lose his job. I don't want to throw Sean Miller under the bus. I believe that as well. Um, it's why I wrote um, that. Listen, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to have undeniable proof that Sean Miller did these things because, you know, this stuff is hard to prove. Uh, but what we do have is two different people, one of whom is his uh, assistant coach slash, I don't want to overstate it, but like if, if somebody's been your assistant coach at two different universities for roughly a decade, can we call him your right-hand man? If he's been your lead recruiter for roughly a decade at two different universities, you're the only college head coach he's ever – I don't know if that's true or not. But, like, you hire him at Xavier. He's with you at Xavier. You take him to Arizona. He's with you at Arizona to the day he gets arrested. Um, that's somebody who's, who's, who's worked side-by-side side with you at the very least. Um, that guy is also on a recording saying that you bought DeAndre Ayton and Raleigh Hawkins. And given that we know – so you take that information. we got two different people saying Sean Miller did this. We've got – T.J. Gasnola, in the initial trial, testifying that he was trying to buy DeAndre Ayton for Kansas. Yes. When you combine all that information with this information as well, Book Richardson is on a recording explaining to somebody how he's nearly broke because he spent so much money buying players. When you combine all that, it is completely illogical to think that DeAndre Ayton went to Arizona for nothing more than a scholarship and a cost of attendance stipend. Like, we know there's a market for DeAndre Ayton. He's the number one player in America, or at least a consensus top five player in America, someone who went on to be the number one pick in the draft. Um, We know a school's trying to buy him. That's Kansas using Adidas, or Adidas doing whatever. Um, It's Adidas trying to buy him for Kansas. We know that. We know that Arizona's buying players. Book Richardson says so himself. And what, DeAndre Ayton went to Arizona for free? Get out of my face. That's just ridiculous, even though uh, some Arizona fans are still clinging to that. Well, you know, DeAndre Ayton didn't have to take extra benefits because he knew he'd be rich in a year. Really? Really? Like, every kid, that not every, but lots of kids who or their families or their guardians or their handlers who take extra benefits, impermissible benefits, they also think they're going to be rich in a year. It doesn't stop them from taking what's available at that moment. It's nonsense to think DeAndre Ayton wasn't, or somebody connected to DeAndre Ayton wasn't compensated um, outside of the NCAA rulebook to get him to Arizona. We're talking about a school who had an assistant on staff acknowledging in recordings that he was buying players, so much so that he was nearly broke, even though he made uh, six figures. So there's that. Um, And two people are saying that DeAndre Ayton, that the guy who was doing it was Sean Miller. Like, if you're an Arizona fan, just say, or if you're the Arizona administration, just say, we don't care. Um, they're not going to be able to prove our coach did this stuff. And so we're just going to stand by him. Say that. But to try to pretend this didn't actually go down the way it's been presented seems silly to me. I agree. And I've got a thought on NCAA stuff, how it relates to this and Duke right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Okay, Parrish, so what you, the point you're making is accurate, and it's also why, to me, from an NCAA standpoint, this gets fascinating because you know what? The same stuff attached to Zion Williamson in two different instances in two different trials. Marvin Bagley, who's, uh, whose, family, whose father went on Facebook and, and VME denied all of this, by the way, so that must be stated for the record, uh, but Marvin Bagley and his family, who were undeniably paid by, Mike, uh, paid by Nike legally to run a grassroots program, uh, they were connected to this as well. So from an NCAA perspective, the things you say about DeAndre Ayton, accurate, the circumstances surrounding him, Gasnola trying to sell him to Kansas. You had Zion Williamson uh, being, uh, his recruitment being presented uh, via Adidas to Kansas and Kansas, a Kansas assistant, Curtis Townsend, uh, playing ball with that, with that offer there. That's why, as I wrote, phase one ended Wednesday. All the trial stuff, what Parrish led off the top of this podcast with, all that stuff wrapped. Phase two started Wednesday. That's the NCAA. I don't know what the timeline's going to be on all this. But with the commission that got put into place, with the amount of schools that are involved here, with the, the general grease and grime that was revealed through evidence, through testimony in the first trial and the second trial, the NCAA has a monumental task in front of it. I want to believe that the Committee on Infractions, Mark Emmer, and everyone that's involved in this kind of stuff is going to do what it says it thinks it can do. But I also believe that it's going to hit a lot of bumps along the way. And ultimately, I think schools will get hit, but I think a lot of people are going to be unsatisfied. Um, what the NCAA does from here, I actually think, is what people will be more emotionally invested in, Parish, because the trial brought a lot of curiosity, especially within the coaching community. There's no doubt about it. But the general public cares more about, okay, what coach, what program, what, what, how are they going to get hit? How are they going to get compared to freaking North Carolina, which has nothing to do with any of this, by the way? There is still this insatiable appetite over how these coaches and schools are going to be punished. Um, I... I I, th I actually think it's fascinating what is still to come with NCAA investigators, what it can and can't prove, and the timeline on which it can do this, because I don't think we're going to have answers here by the start of the upcoming 2019-2020 season, uh, but people are still going to be looking for it. Like They're going to be looking for stuff to happen uh, before then. I just don't think that's going to happen. But the fact that you have these huge prospects, Aiton, Zion, Bagley, others as well. I mean, Jerron Quinterly. We have Book Richardson 
literally saying, I need $15,000 to fund Quinterly's recruitment to Arizona. He's given that to try and make it happen. Quinterly commits and then decommits after this story breaks. There's a ton of that kind of stuff, which will take weeks and months and maybe even years to sort through with the NCAA. Um, so as we turn forward now, I think you know that's that's the big story, but I, there's not going to be any easy answers that are coming soon. Yeah, and real quick on this, like if Sylvia D'Souza is ineligible at Kansas, why is Javon Quinterly not ineligible? I don't. I don't. Parish. I don't have the. I, I wish I knew. I don't have the answers. And <laughs> one quick side thought on all this stuff. Continue with your thought. But like the government said that Raleigh Alkins, Tayshawn Cherry, and damn it, I'm blanking on the third player. They didn't even have any idea of what was happening around him. Now, who knows if that's true or not? They made it in the closing argument. It's not evidence. It's not fact. But if that is the case, or if that's the case with Silvio D'Souza, you know what? The bigger thing here, and we'll save this for another podcast and, and columns, like the, the players get screwed in this so often. Because so often, they're not the ones getting the money. It's their handlers or the people's ar- uh, people around them. It's their eligibility that's put at risk. Silvio D'Souza is the number one example of this. I'm not saying Kansas wasn't dirty. A, l- a lot of evidence came forth that would indicate that's clearly the case. But sometimes, man, these players, they get totally screwed over in this. And, it, and fr- frankly, it's, it's infuriating sometimes when you watch some of the evidence that came through. Um, you know, that's a side tangent. I just want to squeeze it in. But you're right. I don't know why Quinterly was cleared, but he was. He was at Villanova. Now he's transferring to another school. That school is to be determined. Um. You know, I, I guess I'd, I'd bottom line it this way. Um, when the arrests were made, uh, we were led to believe that this really could change the sport and get some of the cheaters, and, and by cheaters I mean head coaches running dirty programs, get them removed from the sport. As we pointed out, that just did not happen. And so now it'll be up to the NCAA to see if they can do that. You know, uh, Kansas is being investigated Arizona either is being investigated or will be investigated. Um, you know, uh, those, those uh, LSU is either being investigated or will be investigated. And so we'll, we'll see if, um, if, if Sean Miller can survive whatever that investigation un- uncovers. Um, if Will Wade can survive it, if Bill Self can survive it. Uh, last thing, I'll ask you this and be real quick with it. I know that the, the NCAA investigations are going to take a while. So you know, nothing's going to happen by tomorrow. Two years from today, May 9th, 2021, is Sean Miller the coach at Arizona? Oh, gosh, Parrish. I feel like, oh, my, I feel like you've asked me this, and, I, and I've said no on two different occasions, and he's still there. Um, I will say, God, Parrish, I'll say no. I, listen, I'm not going to dodge it because I feel like you, you have to answer this too. I will say no. I'll say two years from today, May 9th, 2021, he is not coaching at Arizona. What's your answer? I, I agree with that. I don't think he'll be the head coach at Arizona two years from today. Will Wade, two years from today, head coach at LSU. I don't think he will be the head coach at LSU two years from today. I think I agree with that. Bill Self, two years from today, head coach at Kansas. <laughs> I do think Bill Self will still be at Kansas two years from today. I agree with that as well. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to the homie Larnell. Remember, subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. That's what I've asked from you uh, from the jump. If you've already done that, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't, take some minutes. Please go do it for me. And either way, we're going to talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.